podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Miller, lovely cushion header. But you're you beauty! What a headshot! What a head! The time to Luis Garcia. Tries his mark. Hello and welcome to your Champions League preview here on Anfield Index. I am your host, Andy Wales. And as we stand on the precipice of a pivotal match day five, I have a very special guest to help me see through Liverpool taking on Napoli. She is the host of the Nina Kauser show and also the Media Matters and Euro Incision podcast over on Anfield Index Pro. She is, of course, Nina Kauser. Welcome along, Nina. Hey, Andy. Thank you so much for having me. I've really been loving the new layout and the format of this pod now, so I'm super excited to be part of it. And I'm excited to have you along as a guest as well. So as a, and as the host of the Euro Incision podcast, obviously you'll uh, you have some stellar guests on there, so you'll be able to give us a very insightful view of all things. Um, but before we start sort of digging into what went on in match day four and what we've got to look ahead to in, in match day five, I thought we'd st- start uh, by taking a quick look at um, Liverpool versus Genk. Now, mm. Liverpool coming out 2-1 winners. I- I've got to say that wasn't quite um, the result I expected to see. I mean, it's a, it's a win. Yes, it is mm-hmm. a win. And-, and that's the important thing I think we should all, obviously, that we should all um, concentrate upon. But um, 2-1... Is that really where Liverpool should be against a team like Genk? It's really interesting because um, it just seems like years away, right? Because we've had this international break. But that was the Champions League game right before Manchester City. And I had Jonathan Northcroft on, actually on the Euro Incision podcast, and we spoke about this game. And for me, Liverpool looked really quite casual. In the first half, really super casual, like really relaxed. I was actually thinking, come on lads, let's not do this. Come on, step it up again. And um, they were much better in the second half. But for me, it kind of felt like Liverpool weren't giving it their all in the game. They did enough. They had enough quality throughout their pitch to get the job done. They were never really, um, they, you know, they had a few scary moments because I think we all agree that Genk do actually play some nice football. But yeah, it was quite nervy to watch considering this was meant to be the easier opposition in the group. But um all things considered, hindsight is a wonderful thing. I, I felt fully that Liverpool just kind of dealt with the situation because they had a bigger game and a bigger focus over the weekend in Manchester City. But I, I think we were okay, even when, you know, um, Genk were having a few chances. For me, I got really nervous, maybe when Genk got their, their one goal back and I was like, come on, lads, please don't draw this one, given what yeah. was happening in the other game. Yeah, I, I guess I guess context uh, contextually, yeah, the, the Man City game was coming up, and although everybody's you know stresses the point one game at a time, one game at a time, um, 
I guess you wouldn't be human if you if you weren't Liverpool players thinking about that huge game against Manchester City coming up um, straight after that game and not wanting to get injured. So, uh, do you think it's it's fair that we perhaps uh, play the context in in consideration of this performance? I definitely think so. I think, you know, you're right. You know, Jurgen Klopp says it himself, right? One game at a time. I don't want to talk about Man City. I think someone actually asked him about Man City in the, in the pre-match presser. And he was like, I don't want to talk about Man City. I want to talk about Genk. But come on. You know, it's been talked up. It, you know, that is potentially, we, I mean, you were on my podcast not so long ago on the Nina Kalsa show. And we kind of spoke about, um, the, the City games and what they mean now. And, you know, now there are two very, very good teams and every game that we play against Man City is now like a head-to-head. It's a title decider, you know, to some degree. You've got to win those games. You know, it's almost like the modern-day Barcelona versus Real Madrid, you know, in the context of two teams playing really well and, you know, two that are also doing pretty well in terms of Chelsea and Leicester City. But, yeah, most definitely, I thought, you know, Liverpool looked really, really comfortable against Genk, you know, when we beat them 4-1. And then, of course, um, this one was 2-1. It was a little bit more nervy. But I think, you know, he, you know, he fielded out a pretty deep, you know, a strong side. You know, it kind of got the job done. Um, it's the, the human, of course, they're going to think about the league as well. It's, it's, it's really hard to just, just focus at the task in hand, given the fact that that is such a huge game. And, you know, points, you know, points could have been really like deducted between Liverpool and Man City if they don't win that game. So for me, I do kind of believe that they had they had enough quality and enough belief about them to get the job done against Genk. That's how I feel. Yeah, and and, and I think the whole kind of context of taking in and that that consideration as well of taking in the Premier League, I think, is something that we will certainly come back to when we uh, delve into the the Liverpool Napoli game. Uh, and and just uh, and how many damn fixes there are coming up in December as well. So that that'll certainly come into it. But let's take a, a quick look then around at match day four. The scores around in the other groups in Group A, it finished PSG one, Club Bruges nil, uh, Real Madrid six, Galatasaray nil. Uh, group B, it was Bayern Munich two, Olympiacos nil, Red Star Belgrade nil, Tottenham Hotspur four. An impressive uh, result there for Spurs. Uh, Atalanta won, Man City won in Group C, and also Dinamo Zagreb 3, Shakhtar Donetsk 3. Uh, in Group D, we've got uh, Lokomotiv Moscow 1, Juventus 2, um, by Leverkusen beating Atletico Madrid 2-1 at home. Um, in Group E, as we mentioned, Liverpool beat Genk 2-1, and in the other game, which we will speak a little bit about um, shortly, it was a Napoli 1, uh, Salzburg 1. Uh, Group F, Barcelona, Slavia, Prague was a goalless draw. Uh, Borussia Dortmund put on a tremendous second half comeback to beat Inter Milan 3-2. Meanwhile, in Group G, it's Zenit 0, uh, RB Leipzig 2, and Lyon 3, Benfica 1. And then finally in Group H, we've got Chelsea 4, Ajax 4, and Valencia 4, Lille 1. So, Nina, just... All of them scores, I mean, there's a lot of goals around there, a few uh, surprise score lines. Just a quick overview here then. So Group A, um, a PSG are, are through, they're, mm-hmm. they're top of the group, they're, they're well clear. Mm-hmm. Um, Real Madrid are second. Clear second, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're a pretty clear second. I, I mean, as you would expect them to going through, but perhaps slightly surprisingly is just how, how poor Real Madrid have looked uh, most of the time in this competition so far. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think they've managed to shake off like what happened maybe to them last season as well, you know, in the Champions League and stuff. They, you know, they look like a really aged team, almost like they kind of look a little lost without, um, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, I think it was about two weeks ago where, you know, they, um, they almost looked like they were going to lose against Bruges and stuff. But for me, you know what the shocking thing was? I mean, we knew we had two clear favourites in terms of Paris Saint-Germain. And, um, and of course, Real Madrid. I mean, they, you know, they're like your, your sort of superstar clubs. You know, I thought, you know, it'd be a lot more exciting. I thought, you know, Galatasaray, because, you know, going to Turkey is always not the easiest of trips. And I thought, you know, the, the away trip to Galatasaray might have caused a few problems with the hostile atmosphere. And, you know, we saw, we saw Prague do it to, um, um, uh, was it was it Red Star, Red Star Belgrade do it to Liverpool last season, you know? And that atmosphere can really get you. And of course, they got a, they got a result against Liverpool last season. And I thought maybe Galatasaray could have done something in that group. And to see them sat bottom of that group with one point, that's the part where I'm a little bit disappointed about. Mm, it's uh, certainly as well. I think PSG are looking uh, quite anonymous, uh, mm. ominous. I can't even say the word. Looking dangerous. There we are. I can say that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're looking quite dangerous, but I think it's early doors, isn't it, for them? Yeah. When the pressure gets on the quarterfinal stage, let, let's see what they're really about. And that's, um, Zidane Magic, that's Zidane Magic with Real Madrid as well now. I think it's kind of gone, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'll be quite honest. I think... I think the end of that team was the Champions League final where they beat us. Yes. I think that was the the final, the the the, the Indian summer for the, for that team. It really was. They just dragged themselves up for one last game. It seemed to me. I really did feel that that team had, had um, you know had run its course by that point. Mm. Um, anyway, Group B, Bayern, well clear. They're through um, top of the table there. And Spurs, as you mentioned, you know, that, that that's an impressive performance for them to go to Red Star and win 4-0. Uh, game, we struggled there last season. So, you know, they're, they're pretty well clear in second place. Looks like they'll be through as well. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's not an awful lot to play for in that group. Um, group C, Man City, again, oh. they're, you know, they're <laughs> Obviously, it was a shock them dropping points, but they're well clear at top of that one. It was such a banter game, though, Andy. <laughs> you know, like, did you see he and um, he does his penalty? Like, that was embarrassing. And then the goalkeeper getting um, Klopp obviously subbing Edison off, and we thought it was mind games against Liverpool. Could you think about that, right? So he goes off, but it turns out he was actually injured. And then they bring on um, th- th- their second goalkeeper, Bravo, and he he doesn't even make a a save and he gets sent off and then Kyle Walker has to come in. It was hilarious. <laughs> and Kyle Walker looked better than Claudio Bravo. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Bants, yeah. I think the only thing in that group is, is just between uh, Dinamo Zagreb and Shakhtar as to yeah. who comes second, yeah. looking at it. Have you been a little bit disappointed in Atalanta? A lot made of them, you know, how they, you know, this attacking team and uh, yeah. could be a breath of fresh air, yet here they are sitting bottom of the pile with one point. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of talk about them being a really um, attacking team, quite different from your stereotypical, you know, Serie A teams that most people kind of um, have planted in their subconscious mind, how Italian teams sort of play. Um, yeah, I thought they'd be more attack-minded. I mean, maybe it's something to consider that, you know, this maybe might... 
is this their first sort of run out in the Champions League in a really long time? Maybe the occasion of playing Champions League football has been a little bit too much for them. But it has been quite an easy group. I mean, I saw a lot of um, Serie A journalists quite excited about Atlanta being in that group because really, um, Man City are always going to get quite a simple group. But I thought they would have done better against, you know, um, Shakhtar and, you know, maybe put more of a fight against Zagreb as well. But not so much. But those two other teams that we've mentioned are kind of um, seasoned pros in the Champions League. You know, they, they kind of deal with that pressure a little better. So I think it might be, you know, that whole lack of experience of dealing with the Champions League. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. Um, group D, I think, as as many people expected, Juve and Atletico sit top of that group. I've always I, I've always asked guests, you know, this season, look, who do you think are the biggest threats to Liverpool retaining the title? And, and these two teams, Juve and Atletico, they're still the two teams that I, I think I'd be the most uncomfortable about Liverpool facing. Do you feel the same way? I don't know. You know what? I thought you were going to ask me this question a lot later on. And I'm actually looking at Champions League. And usually when I kind of watch the Champions League and even when Liverpool weren't in the Champions League, there's always been a team that, or a couple of teams that have been the clear, clear favourites, right? You know, it's always been like a Barcelona or a Real Madrid. You kind of know who's going to, you know, do really well. But some of these teams have been really under, underwhelming. I mean, yeah, Juventus look pretty decent and Atletico Madrid, they, they, they have, um, a style of football and it is usually quite defensive and Liverpool kind of struggle against that. But they don't really frighten me, you know, because I think what they might not be able to deal with is Liverpool's pace. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's certainly fair. I mean, Leverkusen uh, beating Atletico, mm. that, that was a bit of a surprise. Again, you know, I, I see Leverkusen, some exciting players, but um, very open, <laughs> to, very naive at, at times, uh, the way they defend. Um, yeah, and again, that lack of experience from some of them players there costing them. Um, group E, the standards we'll get to, obviously, as we get more into that group. Uh, group F, Barcelona, uh, one point ahead of Dortmund mm. and Inter Milan only on the four points so it's still a lot to play for in that group and uh, Barcelona dropping they, points they're not yeah they're just not the force that they were really do, do you think we really damaged them last year <laughs> there's a lot of talk about Liverpool just <laughs> damaging everyone yeah Liverpool ruined everyone they ruined Spurs they ruined everyone yeah I mean I just think it you know what, they've, they've had so many great players, right? And we've seen some, like, great Barcelona teams and, you know, the, the pet Barcelona teams and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And they've always been there and thereabouts. But, you know, now that Messi's kind of aging and he's more of like, um, he might be a bit more ruthless and a bit more cutthroat from, like, maybe from a dead ball situation, you know, like either a free kick. I feel like, they, again, they, they look like they, they could do with a little bit of energy. But it, it has been such a tough group. You know, that for me, that has been like the exciting group in the Champions League. I mean, to me, they're not favourites. You know, the fact that I'm looking at a Champions League um, tournament and you don't consider Barcelona to be favourites, that just kind of shows that, you know, it's time for a, a transition for them yet again because for so long, they've always been favourites. You'd always consider them favourites. Yeah, you, you absolutely would. And, and even that's the, the, the likes of Luis Suarez as well, they, they're kind of ageing together. Yeah. That that's that that's exactly right. You, you know, there's that that great team has has got older, and and a lot of it is still there, and it's still the core of the the team. And yeah, as you say, you know, it's aging, and 
I guess they haven't really transitioned too well, and and at the moment they yeah they they certainly don't look quite the same. Um, but I, th- I think it's very still very delicately poised that group. So yes. that that's certainly the a one to keep an eye on mm. because that really could still turn either way. Um, and match day five will obviously have a, a massive impact on on which way that goes. Uh, and obviously we'll we'll talk about that perhaps a little bit more as we get to the fixtures for uh, for match day five. So um, moving on to Group H, uh, RB Leipzig uh, are now sitting top on nine points. Um, they're looking pretty much through. Leon are behind them on seven points, and Zenit they're on four points, and Benfica on three. So for me, I, I guess it's just that Leipzig are are all but there. It's just a case of who joins them. It is. I mean. For me, I mean, if I was to pick one, I'd probably pick Leon because I kind of found them quite exciting last season. We didn't see an awful lot of them, but like, it would be nice to kind of see, you know, Leon do something, Leon do something there. I mean, they are really on like seven points, you know, it would be quite interesting to see what they can do. I, I, I would like to see Leon go through, but Zenit, again, they're, they're again quite professional in, in this, in this, in this competition as well. So it, and they are actually they are actually playing Zenit, so that could be like a little bit of a playoff there for the second. <laughs> yeah, it could. Uh, and finally, Group H. I mean, it finished four uh, four between Chelsea and Ajax. And if ever a match encapsulated a group, it was certainly that because you've got Lille adrift on one point at the bottom, mm-hmm. but you've got Ajax, Chelsea, and Valencia all on seven points. So. That one, I mean, that's just, that really is, that's the entertainment group for us, really, isn't it? Uh, three three teams who just seem to be going, hey, what the hell, let's do it. You know what? Liverpool game was on against Genk, right? And the score was, sh- you know, sort of, um, the scoreboard was shooting up for the Chelsea game. And literally, if I was not, I, I felt a little bit robbed that I weren't watching that game. I was like, I have to watch it because it's Liverpool and I would never miss a Liverpool game. But just seeing what was going on in that in that game, and then you know, like you know, the the talk about you know Frank Lampard and him being absolutely phenomenal, and you know the comeback really happened once the Ajax players got sent off. You know, like you know, the context was completely taken out. But yeah, what an absolutely fantastic group! The fact that there are three teams all equal on points. I mean, that's that's the one that you're looking at. I have to agree. That is just that's like the the one that you can't call because when when you kind of I mean I don't know about you Andy but when you can when the groups are announced when they're all drawn out you kind of pick who's going to top the group and who's going to finish second and for me I think it was always going to be Ajax and Chelsea but the fact that and I didn't think Valencia were going to do too much because I thought they were quite disappointing last season so you know the fact that they're in with a chance in this group it, it does make it quite fun yeah, it's. I think it's. It's definitely the highlights group. It's. It's mm. the one that once you've watched your team and and perhaps one other highlight match that you want to go to, it's that group you don't then go to and sit down and just have a little chuckle, get the popcorn out and watch it. It's. Um. It. It should be entertaining. So let, let's have a look then at the fixtures for match day five. Uh, Tuesday night in Group A, it's Galatasaray versus Club Bruges in the early kickoff, and then Real Madrid. Uh, hosting PSG so it could be interesting to see um, how that thing goes because last time round obviously PSG give them an absolute pasting so um, let, let's see if uh, Real Madrid have actually got a bit better yeah just you know close some more points up you know being being very very secure second yeah I mean 
to me, I, I think PSG are the, the sort of group winners there, but I think it's probably more a case of um, Real Madrid kind of playing for pride. There's no one catching up behind them, though. That's the annoying part. To me, I thought this group group would have that little bit of a little bit of an edge. I thought it might be a bit more neck and neck as to who finishes first and second. I didn't think there'd be that much of a drop between the the first and and the second team in this group. Mm. Because even uh, if uh, yeah. Real Madrid win, there's still um, a few points difference. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I feel exactly the same way. Yeah, I, I was surprised at quite the gulf between them, but mm. um, yeah, there's a, there's I think there is a lot of pride at stake here. So it could be an interesting match. You know, for for if there's a neutral out there listening to this, I'm not sure why you're listening to a Liverpool podcast, but um, if you are a neutral, it certainly could be an interesting one to watch. <clears throat> I mind saying that Liverpool actually play on a Wednesday night, so hey, you might be watching it. So yeah, take back everything I said. Um, in Group B, you've got Red Star Belgrade taking on by Munich and Spurs um, at home to Olympiakos. Then in Group C, it's Atalanta against Dinamo Zagreb and Manchester City at home to Shakhtar. And then finally on Tuesday night, it's uh, Lokomotiv versus Bayer Leverkusen in the early kickoff, with Juve taking on Atletico in the late kickoff. And um, I guess yeah, if you if you are a neutral, it's it's more likely that you'd want to watch Real Madrid than uh, against PSG than Juve against Atletico. I think it's uh, more likely to be the entertaining, the more entertaining of the two matches. Uh, w- w- would you agree with that one? I think so as well. I mean, if Atletico Madrid actually do win, I mean, it puts them all equal on points. So I think a lot of people, when they kind of find a game that they want to watch, they always want to go for the first versus second. And like that's how I kind of channel it anyway. You know, first versus second. And, you know, and what's the point margin between it? Yeah, it's something to play for. A bit of yeah. something riding on the game. Mm. So on to Wednesday night, into Group E, of course, Liverpool's group. Again, we're at home to Salzburg. And then, as we know, Liverpool are hosting Napoli. Uh, group F, um, ooh, bit of a big one. Barcelona at home to Borussia Dortmund. Mm. And it's also Slavia Prague at home to uh, Inter Milan. So, I mean, Dortmund away at Barcelona. That I mean, the last game they played was was away at the Allianz Arena and they got battered by Bayern Munich. So, yeah. this could be an opportunity for Inter Milan to uh, to take to uh, go equal points with uh, Dortmund, and it's everything to play for on that last game. You know. It won't surprise me if Dortmund actually get a point at Barcelona, you know, and then that puts them equal on eight. And I fully expect Inter Milan to beat um, um, Prague, but didn't Inter kind of scruff it up a little against Prague in one of the in 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 the pre in the previous fixture of this game? They drew, was it? Oh, they they may well have done. Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, but yeah, it's 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 just it's an intriguing one. It that is. I mean, in, a, in, in an ideal world, what you want is, you would want, I mean, we want, I think everyone likes Bruce Dortmund on, on this podcast if you're a Liverpool fan. You, you do have a soft spot for them. It just goes without saying. I think it's something part of our DNA. In an ideal world, you would want Bruce Dortmund to beat Barcelona and you'd want Inter Milan to win as well. So, you know, that lifeline's still pretty much up and everything to play for. But then, if you're a neutral, you might just want <laughs> you might just want Barcelona to absolutely thump um, Borussia Dortmund into to win, and then literally two teams going for it. 
Yeah, it's and and to be honest, the way that Borussia Dortmund are, they're so um, hit and miss. They're so yeah. unpredictable that you, you, any scenario you wish to uh, put uh, to to um, to paint out could actually transpire with them. <laughs> such is the way with them. But uh, yeah, it's it's certainly going to be an intriguing one. That there's there's like you said, there's still a lot to play for in that group. Um, group G, Zenit uh, take on Leon in the early kickoff, and then it's RB Leipzig at home to Benfica, and then finally that group that we talked about, uh, Group H, it's Valencia, Chelsea in an early kickoff, followed by Lille versus Ajax in the later game. So um, I, I would expect Ajax to um, kind of get themselves one foot in the next round. I'm, I'm thinking exactly the same. They probably will be in their hands at that, thinking, you know what, we can actually break away from from the pack here. You know? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And then uh, all on to the final game. So uh I, I mean I, I briefly mentioned it, but um here it is free for you to uh, to bring up any team that you like. I mean I mentioned UV and Atletico's the two teams that I still feel kind of uncomfortable at the thought of Liverpool facing them, but is there another team out there that you think is is the biggest threat to Liverpool's um reign as, as European champions? I see why you pick them because of stylistically how they play and it makes complete sense. And I do agree with you. They, you know, you, you can't look at anyone and kind of snub them. It's quite refreshing that it's not the stereotypical La Liga team in terms of Barcelona or Real Madrid that we are looking at Atleti again. You know, they've made a few finals. They've been quite unlucky. Juventus, you kind of always considered them anyway. I think for me, another team that I would throw into the mix would maybe be, um, Man City. You know, um, I, I know people probably sit there and think, why do you always, you know, why Man City? But, you know, if we're looking at some of the best teams in Europe, they are a really, really good team. Yeah, they are. They absolutely you know, are. They are. And I know they've, they've been the very nearly team in, in the Champions League. And, you know, they've, they've had a few, um, you know, decisions that haven't gone their way. I mean, you know, we all remember the Spurs game from last season. And Sterling scoring and everyone celebrating. But, you know, I'm not going to sit there and snub them because they are such a good team. And, you know, if, if Liverpool drew them in the Champions League in the latter stages, you know, I, I would be worried about it. Not worried as though we can't beat them. I mean, worried about it as though they're a genuine, genuine good team and a top contender. Yeah, I, I think that I think of the narrative thing as well for me because, you know, we've, we've had that thing over them in, in Europe. And just we've we seem to have have this this thing, you know, we're inside the head, uh, and and you know us winning the Champions League last season almost overshadowing them, you know, being double Premier League champions and the the amount of points that they got and their domestic treble as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. I, I just get that feeling as well. Yeah, it's the narrative. Sometimes football likes to do these things that the narrative would take them through. And also as well, when you look at the league as well, where it is right now, I mean, I don't want to jinx us in any way, shape or form. You know, Pep Guardiola was actually brought in to kind of win a Champions League for Man City, in my opinion. And I think he really wants to win it as well, because it's not only Man City wanting to do it, it's also Pep Guardiola wanting to do it away from Barcelona. Because right now people think, well, you were only a genius with the Champions League, with that team, Barcelona, the team that you had. You've not done it with Bayern Munich. You were handed a treble winning side. You've not done it. I don't think that's necessarily true. You know, you can't really... Ju- but that is something that will be a focus on him, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I think it, as much as the league is our obsession, I think Europe will become there. So, um, yeah, it's it's certainly conceivable that we get rules reversed this season. And and I'd, I'll be honest, I would absolutely take that. 
I want to do both. <laughs> <laughs> if it means that we're Premier League champions. Yeah, you know what? They can have it for a season, I suppose. Yes, exactly. And we'll just win it back the following year. <laughs> anyway, so just before we, we move on to the Liverpool-Napoli game then, um, Napoli drawing 1-1 with Red Bull. Sorry, I won't call them that, with Salzburg. Mm. And that means that Liverpool currently sit top with nine points and Napoli right behind on eight points and then um, Salzburg further adrift on four points. And we saw, we know Salzburg are an exciting team. Mm. Um, what Were you a little surprised at that game finishing the draw? I mean, I was in, I'll be honest, in a way, I was almost hoping that uh, Napoli would win just for that comfort side of it to say, right, that's it, we're clear now. You know, we've got little worries in terms of the rest of this group stage competition, and we can maybe start to think about rotating more given the amount of games that we've got coming up. I see where you're coming from, and it makes complete and utter sense, but we had that really strange game against RB Salzburg. Um, they have been the most exciting team in the Champions League. You know, every season there's one that kind of peaks up. And I think a lot, and they do play some very good football. I mean, we saw it. I mean, we've seen it. They they have got it in them to kind of surprise a team. I mean, you know, um, against Napoli, I'm not overly surprised that they drew. I think, you know, what it does is, I like the fact that it put Liverpool ahead in the group again, meaning that they kind of go into the Napoli game with their noses slightly ahead because I always believe that these kind of games are they're all, it's always about that psychological edge and you know Liverpool going in as group leaders just to kind of they win that game for me they're pretty much for me they kind of top the group in that in my, in my opinion um you know you expect Red, um, RB Salzburg to kind of get three points against Genk as well and if if all my scenarios come true so Liverpool currently on nine you know so that'll put them you know in a, in a really comfortable position, it'll put um, uh, RB Salzburg in seven points, which is literally yeah. a point behind Napoli if Napoli lose and stay on eight. You know, and I, I just think they'll just be playing for second. And I think Liverpool would be quite comfortable with that because there's no way on earth that if Liverpool beat Napoli, there's no way on earth that Napoli could actually top the group, right? In, yeah, in, in that's the it. Fight, if- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if Liverpool win, then they're through. If if it's a draw, and Napoli are in then, some turmoil, you know, it's, it's still open potentially. So yeah, yeah, and uh, Napoli in some kind of turmoil where the the club are it's like basically civil war between the owners and the board versus Ancelotti and the team. You know, they they're quite fragmented and they're not their usual self in Serie A as well. I think they're something like seven points behind Juventus or something. Yeah, I mean, well, let's get on to that game then. Liverpool taking on. Um, Napoli, as you mentioned, yeah, Napoli is sat in seventh at the moment, and they are thirteen points sorry, off the I top. I got of... my numbers mixed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, thirteen points behind. I mean, that's they that, usually second all the time. Yeah, right? that's it. That's that's quite a way off the distance. I mean, it, it's Juve and Inter, you know, who are at the top two, and there's only a point between them. But you know, Lazio are on twenty-four points in third place, and Napoli are still five points behind them. So. Yeah, they are a bit off the pace. That I mean, looking at it, you know, they're a bit hit and miss. They're being inconsistent. But you, I mean, you've mentioned that you know that there's there's issues going on at boardroom level. There's issues between the players and the fans, the players and the board, the the manager and and everybody. Um, you look at you look at their squad and the likes of Insigne, uh, Dries Mertens, Koulibaly. Um, they, they've got some. 
they've got some really, really good players. I, I mean, and then there's others in there as well. Alan Manolas, Callejon, mm. you know, Zielinski, who we were linked with. You know, they've got the experience of, of Llorente, of Espina. They've got Milik. You know, they, they've got some really good players in there. You know, they have got a dangerous squad. I, I mean, you've seen the opening game this season. We went there and we weren't, it wasn't a great performance. I think... I, Strangely, I thought it was a better performance away to them than than last season, which was absolutely dire. Mm. But we've seen that, you know, that they can cause Liverpool problems, that, you know, they've they've got a a really experienced, good manager there who knows his stuff, especially in Europe. Mm -hmm. They've got the players. It's an intimidating place to go. You would expect to find them in a better position than they currently are, wouldn't you? You would. I mean, like, I've, you know, I've had, like, the likes of Marcotti and I've spoken to them and, you know, various other journalists. And we kind of spoke about this group. And, you know, when it was initially announced that, you know, Liverpool have got Napoli again. And, I, I, I you know, my, my narrative was and my thought was, oh, finally, Napoli might actually get out of the group. Because every time Napoli have been in the Champions League, they've always, it's always been, like, a battle of three teams, right? You know, like, the, you know, the, the, they're almost like the bridesmaids. You know, they always end up in the Europa League and I've kind of always felt sorry for them. And it happened again last season because obviously it's PSG ourselves and Napoli. And, you know, they, they were unlucky again, you know, that they always get that tough group because they, do, like you said, they do have some quality players. They play decent football. We know this, but just never quite made it. But, you know, some things didn't go their way. I mean, I think it's the fact that they kind of drew to Genk. You know, they they kind of undid the hard work themselves in that regard. You know, drawing to Genk and then drawing to Salzburg again. And, you know, you, you spoke about the, the opening game. Uh, you know, it was good for Liverpool to get the tough one done first straight away. And I actually remember last season's game and I was absolutely disgusted with the performance. And you know what? I left, I remember that game. We lost 1-0 and I thought, and this is a Liverpool supporter, I thought we deserved that. Because we were not good enough. We were holding on for dear life. It was only a matter of time. When they scored, we did not have a shot on target. This time round, the opening game of the season, I thought they started off really well. They, they, you know, they, they were pressing. There was intensity. They were kind of matching Liverpool with the pace and everything. And it was sort of end to end. It was like, oh, okay, this, you know, this is a bit of a battle, but you always kind of feel that because they weren't used to playing that style of football and they kind of, catered to playing the way Liverpool played. They were trying to stop Liverpool from playing, so they had to change the way they play. You knew they were going to get tired, and it did happen. And in that period, Liverpool started playing better, and it looked like, okay, Liverpool have a massive grip on this game now. They're tired, Liverpool are going to do something. What happened? The referee gave a stupid penalty against Andy Robertson. They score it, and they get their second, um, because they kind of... um bounce on the opportunity of Liverpool being a goal down and they scored their second goal and in that game I thought Liverpool were robbed in this one I'll be honest because I thought Liverpool actually played pretty pretty well they didn't deserve to lose that game so for me with Napoli in this group if they end up third it's been their own doing not because the opposition's been better they've dropped some stupid points yeah, I I would totally agree, totally agree, and and yeah, like you, last season I was raging at that performance away, and I would actually say, you know, I, I don't think Liverpool deserved to lose one nil last season. In in all honesty, it deserved to be much more than that. It, it was it such did. a turgid performance. Mm-hmm. Whereas the yeah, this season, like I said, I, I didn't think it was a great performance by any stretch of the imagination. It was it was pretty poor first half, but once they took control, second half. They just, you know, they they were the better team. And I think on the balance of play, I'd I'd have said, yeah, a draw was a fair result. But yeah, that 
penalty decision. Now, for me, I at the time I understood why the angle he was at, why the ref would give it. But it, the the issue I had was the VAR looking at that and, and still, not overruling yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> exactly that. That's, that's that's it. Yeah, that was the incredulous thing. And obviously, without that goal, without that first goal, the second goal doesn't happen. So, yeah. Liverpool didn't really deserve to lose that one, but perhaps it was a kick up the backside that uh, they needed to really sort of get us going in this competition. So, but having said that, you know, we haven't been at our free flowing best, but we, you know, we're doing enough. So I, th- I think when you kind of consider that and then, you know, think about the game against Napoli last season, because it was, everything was on that last group game against Napoli last year, wasn't it? That's Liverpool yeah. had to win. Mm. And in truth, you know, the, the scoreline was 1-0. It, it could and should have been more. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then again, we'll all think back to that Allison save yeah. late on, you know, absolutely vital save that not only kept us in the competition, but you think we go on and win it. So, mm-hmm. you know, these these are the moments, aren't there, that, that you have to think back on these key moments in, in seasons in, in certain particular games. And and Allison certainly played his part in the PSG game and then that helped that made sure that you know that, that scoreline was enough in the Napoli game and obviously his part in that Napoli game. But do do you feel that that whole thing of last season, that you know, that narrative of that game might even sort of come into this one? Potentially, yes. You know, because we know that Napoli are going to come. They're going to, you know, they, of course, they're going to be really hungry for three points as well. They'll probably want to wrong the, you know, they'll probably want to get some revenge from last season. But then I kind of look at the context of, and they've got, well, you know, they've got quality players that can change the game. We know this, you know, they, they have incredible players, a manager that knows how to deal with this competition. Also, a manager that has the better of Jurgen Klopp as well. You know, he he really does. And he actually has a really good record against Jurgen Klopp. Um, For me, the the kind of things that kind of stand out is the simple fact that I thought, you know, last season we we should have won by a fair few more goals. I thought, you know, Koulibaly was literally stuck to Moss. I was at the game and I just remember Koulibaly being absolutely stuck to Moss Salah like glue. You know, you could not peel away from him. He was not giving him any space. And then Salah had that one opportunity to kind of twist and turn his way out and just, you know, like just get the better of him, of him and just, you know, do him, do him completely sit him down and score the goal. I think this time around, what I've enjoyed about Liverpool, we were very, very heavily reliant on the strikers last season. And the thing that I've kind of enjoyed this season is the fact that, you know, we've got the likes of Oxley Chamberlain back. Fabinho can thunderbolt one from far now. You know, the fullbacks are scoring goals. Goals. Ginny has scored a hat trick for Holland. I would like some of that for Liverpool, please. You know, there's, there, there are goals in this team that can come from not just the strikers. And for me now, Liverpool aren't just a three-man attack threat. I think it comes from various other places. I also feel like I took a lot of positives from Liverpool's game against Man City because I thought Man City were the better team against Liverpool, certainly in the first half. But what Liverpool did was they were ruthless with their finishing. And I feel like that was sometimes a little bit costly last season and sometimes a little, maybe a little bit costly against Napoli as well. If Liverpool are absolutely clinical with every shot that they get and every shot on target, I think it might be a bit scary for the likes of Napoli with what they're going through in their own personal crisis and just where Liverpool are in terms of confidence and form. And you kind of look at the games that Liverpool have got, hopefully Crystal Palace, touch wood three points because you and I are going to discuss that and we want to be happy about that one, right? 
and then it's Napoli, and then after that it's Brighton. So this is the big focus game. I yeah, thought, it is. I, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I, obviously. Sorry, I would say obviously. As we record this, it is the Friday, so this is before the the Liverpool uh, Crystal Palace game. So uh, yeah, hopefully there'll be uh, three points safely in the bag, and everyone's got through it unscathed. But um, just heading back to to that um, that game against Napoli uh, earlier, you know, the first game of the, the group stage then, you you mentioned that, you know, Napoli came out and they really pressed Liverpool and it was really high intensity in that first half. Now, you know, it, it is a bit of a cauldron there when you play Napoli, mm. but away from home, they're not quite the same animal. And like you say, there's there's so much going on. Do you expect them to be a lot more conservative in, in the early parts of this game? And, you know, like you mentioned you know, being clinical. I mean, Liverpool were absolutely clinical, probably for the first time this season against Man City, and they looked like they were going to score with every single counter attack. So, do you feel that uh, we we could see a, a completely different first half to the one we saw in the opening group game? Well, the safe bet for Napoli would be to play for a draw, right? You know, it would make complete and utter sense if they come out and think, okay, well. We know they're playing at home. We know they've got a lot of threats. Maybe we sort of, you know, close up space. Maybe we have like a five-man defence. Maybe we kind of park the bus, in, you know, or do the Italian job on, on, on Liverpool because it is Anfield. They've got so many threats. Also, then our final game is against Genk. You'd fully expect, you know, Napoli probably thinking we fully expect to win that one, you know, and then that makes it, and that makes it really tricky then for Liverpool's trip to Salzburg, who I fully assumed them to beat Genk, if I'm absolutely honest. So I think Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool will know that they'll they'll probably come to Liverpool, uh, come to Anfield with the hopes of pinning Liverpool back and playing for a draw. Um, it's all about the confidence and where they kind of sit. But I think with all the sort of turmoil, if they're playing a tactical game, it would make more sense to kind of hold on to a draw. But that sometimes doesn't quite work in your favour. You know, if if you want to play like the tactical long game and you're thinking, well, if we get a point at Anfield and then we beat Genk, you know, we're, we're sorted and they can kind of deal with the situation between them and Salzburg. But for me personally, um, I think that's probably what Jurgen Klopp is fully anticipating. And I think Liverpool probably are as well. And I think Liverpool are absolutely not playing for a draw because they, that trip to Salzburg, they want it as comfortable and easy as possible. And if you're if you're the home team against Napoli, and you know that they're in a bit of a situation and in a bit of a crisis. Why not just do the damage to them now? Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing with the group standings: a win for Liverpool and through to the next uh, next yeah. phase of the competition. Anything less than that, and it's um, dependent on situations well. elsewhere. You keep Sorry? saying you keep saying so many fixtures. It's a chance for Liverpool yes. to rest players. Just that the that's the thing. Yeah, that's it. You know, a win here at home to Napoli, and then you've got that final game. The final group game against Salzburg, and and it does become a dead rubber because you know Liverpool would be four points clear. They'd be assured of top spot. They can literally rotate the team and and put out whoever they want because, like you say, there is so much coming up in December, isn't there? None of us are sleeping, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's just too many games. I mean, it's a game every what is it, uh, thirteen hours? Yeah, something like that. It's like a long haul shift. Oh my god! Yeah, absolutely. And we've got you know just so many games, and and this is like usually a bit of a tricky time for Liverpool as well. This is where they kind of have their wobbler as well, isn't it? Just after Christmas and like New Year. 
Um, t- yeah, January, February tend to be a difficult one, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's ten games in thirty-one days oh, of, or in that calendar month. Yeah, yeah it, it's just it's, it actually works out someone like ten games in the space of twenty-eight days or something they, like and that. They double it's book on one day as well. They've got the, the... yeah, <laughs> you know, we just play that day and then play the following day. It's not a problem. But that this, I mean, this is the thing, though, isn't it? it? It's, I think, it just puts a little bit more emphasis on this game, doesn't it? In in order to get the win here, and then that assures everything. We don't have to worry about that, and it just gives us that that little bit of a comfort where we can rotate and rest. And you know, maybe as well, you know, anyone's carrying a little bit of a niggle, or we've got players like sort of John Matip is is due back soon you know we can maybe get him a run out and and you know and it's it's that luxury isn't it of being able to to move things around and and give a few key players a break that otherwise we maybe wouldn't have absolutely it's that's absolutely crucial rotation is going to be absolutely key with all these kind of games and you know if you can get the job done in front of the home crowd with the comfort of that get it done because the worst the last thing you want to do is have that horrible trip to um uh, to Salzburg and I call it a horrible trip because that game was like a basketball game it must have been so much fun for the neutrals but when it was at 3-3 I was like oh my god what am I watching you know Liverpool just completely just completely lost their heads and I don't I don't want to take any chances I want that game to be as easy as possible like you said some players that are sort of coming back to fitness for them to have a little run out let them get their fitness rather than, oh my God, you've got another high intensity game because you didn't quite do the job last time around. So you burn out from that one and you got to burn out again. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. I think Jurgen Klopp is a really, really smart man and we know this and he'll know all about fatigue and chronic load and, you know, how to manage minutes and just get the job done here. I mean, it's going to be really interesting because, you know, with Moss and those kind of situations, are they fit, aren't they fit? I mean, I'm not caught up with the Jurgen Klopp's press conference yet. I mean, you know, all those things are really, really important because what you want is an ideal, really, really healthy, healthy starting 11 against Napoli because I tell you what, Ancelotti, crisis or no crisis, he's not going to be resting players against those. No. No, absolutely not, uh, and that's the thing. So, I mean, if we if we if we work on the assumption that Liverpool are going to go for it, they've got to go for it. Make sure we get this win. Napoli are not going to come to uh, to be nice and open and and play into our hands. They're going to make try and make things difficult for us, like you're saying, to get the spaces. Um, just make us make it difficult to play against. Look to catch us on the break, probably. Who, who do you feel is going to be key to Liverpool? Um, you know, getting getting what they need from this game, um, opening them up, maybe giving us a nice little cushion. I think Bobby Firmino has to be an absolute little terrier in the in the box. I want him to press. He is the first line of defence for Liverpool and I feel like when he has an incredible game, my God, everyone has an incredible game. I just think he's just one of those players. When Roberto Firmino has a good game, Liverpool just play better. I think it's going to be a a case of everyone having to be on their best game, the defence being completely alert. I want the full-backs to be really, you know, explosive. Um, You know, I want a lot of creativity. I want them to really open up and pull out spaces, create space. Because what I noticed with um some of the, the defending of Napoli, certainly against Liverpool, is, you know, I remember the game at Anfield last season. You know, I, I spoke about Koulibaly just not giving... And affording more Salah space, and rightly so. Why is he going to do that, right? But he did such a good job on him. He did it. I mean, they defended really well this time round. You know, in 
in the first game of this of the competition. So I think you know the fullbacks are going to be have, are going to have to be absolutely crucial. But for me, I think Roberto Firmino and as usual, the usual suspects in Marcelo and Sadio Mane are going to have to be absolutely on their A game as well. Run at their fullbacks, create absolute bedlam mayhem, make space, just create so much bother. And I think Sadio Mane, we always know that he has that moment of magic where he can score a really ridiculous goal. I think it's one of those games where the strike has to be absolutely flawless in terms of what they're doing. Um, very much like what happened against Man City. You get a chance, don't be wasteful with it because sometimes I think Liverpool and our attack can be quite guilty of that. Uh, and just thinking as well to the midfield, Nina, then, you know, in recent games we've, we've seen... Um... Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Naby Keita coming into the, the midweek teams, if we can call them that, you know, playing mm. these Champions League games. And Ox has looked, at, you know, just brilliant outside the box. He's shooting at just magnificent. Uh, he had his own, goal, his own uh, goal of the month competition in October. So what, what about the threat from midfield then? You know, could, could this be, you know, the little chink in the armour that we need? I hope Jurgen Klopp does throw in an attacking midfielder. I mean, I would be quite devastated if it is, you know, a Henderson, Ginny Wijnaldum and, and a, and a Fabinho, um, midfield trio. I think, you know, I think an ox is absolutely crucial because yeah, if they want to go all defensive and they want to park the bus, then you need that moment of magic of somebody that can just completely score a stupendous, ridiculous goal from range. You know, you need, you need to, you need to be covered for all eventualities against this Napoli team. And I think Ox gives you that. And he scores some great goals. He's in absolutely exceptional form. Although I am a little bit worried because he has played an awful lot of minutes for England. I think he played kind of back to back two games, which is absolutely ludicrous considering he's a player sort of, re, sort of re, rehabilitating himself and getting back to fitness. That was a bit mindless from England. But for me personally, I think a player like Ox or Naby, we need, we need somebody that isn't going to be too samey samey. Yeah, I, I do think that's fair. Uh, what about the Anfield crowd then? Uh, just as a final consideration then, because as we spoke about, you know, that all the issues that are going on off the pitch um, and within the club and between the fans and the players at Napoli, do you, could that atmosphere and that crowd sort of really sort of, uh, you know, be, be a bit of a tipping point here for, for that team and the way that they are at the moment? I think the Anfield crowd can rattle anyone. You know, I think every Liverpool fan, I mean, I'm going to be at the game as well. And I think every Liverpool fan will know that it's a huge game. It's Napoli. You know, if Liverpool win this game, you know, they'll want to get under their skins. They'll want to wind them up. I mean, we saw the game against Barcelona last season. I mean, the Barcelona crowd and, you know, the Camp Nou, that's no library, you know, like it's rattled some great players in terms of Manchester City players. It can really do the job. And I think if there's a hostile environment and Anfield is already a magical place and, you know, we, we've seen some ridiculous comebacks happen and you kind of take all that into consideration, even against Borussia Dortmund in the, in the Europa League, right? You know, in Klopp's first season in charge. And you, I mean, you're no stranger to, um, the Dortmund crowd. And what, you know, the, the, the yellow wall and how much noise mm-hmm. they make, you know, you're no stranger to that, but literally it, it really does rattle people and there is something magical about it. And I think Anfield, European night under the lights, I, I don't think it gets any bigger and better than that. And I think as well, a lot of Liverpool fans are probably a little bit pissed as well with what happened with Napoli last, you know, at the beginning of, of this season. 
yeah, <laughs> they're due something out there. Mm. They really are due something. So yeah, it, it could you know it, it could be a really really uh, really big night. And, and like we said, you know, it, it's such a pivotal match week in so many of the groups and. Uh, and when you look at the context, like we say, so many games coming up and the position of the group, this this is a really important one for Liverpool to get this done, isn't it? So huge. I mean, we kind of spoke, we, we even looked to the future, just get the job done. You know, you've yeah. been handed, you know, the, the advantage of you winning the previous game, Napoli dropping points. You have to, you know, you're a point ahead. You have a chance to secure it. Do it. Yeah, that's it. Go do it. Right, Nina, then before we go, I have to put you on the spot and ask you for a match prediction then. What what do you think it's going to finish up? Oh, my God. Why? I'm so bad at these. I'm really bad. Okay, um, I am going to say it's going to be 3-1 to Liverpool. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking along the same lines myself because I can see it a win by a couple of goal margin, but... We just don't seem to keep, keep any clean sheets at the moment. So uh, a clean sheet would be nice. Oh, that would be phenomenal. That is just like the flawless <laughs> um, you know, way to kind of top the group. But yeah, I, I'm like you. I, I always feel like we always have like a little bit of a brain fart moment where someone scores later on in the game. Although recently it's Liverpool coming back from behind. You know, that's been the trend quite recently. So yeah, I definitely see us conceding a goal. Yeah, but a win nonetheless and Liverpool through to the next round. That's how you see it, yeah? Of course, yes. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Right then, before we head off, um, chance to uh, plug what you're doing out there and where the folks can catch you if they're not already following you. Yeah. Well, because this is going after the post, um, uh, obviously Crystal Palace game. Catch our post-match podcast. Andy Wales will be joining me, so listen to his thoughts. Hopefully it is three points. Check out the Nina Kalza show. I will be doing a Euro incision as well, where I'll be sort of, um, we've previewed the game, we'll review the game. So check that on out. It'll be on AI Pro. And if you want to kind of catch daily videos of me and you're on Instagram, you can catch me on Instagram. My handle is at the Nina Kalza show. That's me. Awesome. So there you go. Many thanks, Nina. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. It has indeed. Uh, and that's it, folks. Um, yeah, my my thanks to Nina. My thanks to each and every one of you for listening. As always, really do appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show, to download it, and to enjoy all the excellent content here on Anfield Index and over on Anfield Index Pro. But from myself, Andy Wales, until we return, looking ahead to the final group game of the season, which we uh, which we hope we hope will be a bit of a dead rubber against Salzburg. From myself, Andy Wales, it's bye bye now. Hello. Lovely cushion header for Gerrard! You muted! What a headshot! What a hit! The time to Luis Garcia. Tries his luck. Network.